Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know that the Handlebar is a lovely craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, and they have an even lovelier happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., during which you get a dollar off all of their craft beers on draft. They have 28 of them. I'm not kidding. That's a real deal. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's four hours at the Handlebar. A dollar off any of their awesome draft beers. You can drink them inside, at the bar, at a table. You can drink them outside on their newly renovated gorgeous patio. It's lovely here in Chico right now. Johnny and I highly encourage you to check them out. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, south end of town, right next to Winco, right next to Best Buy. Again, that's the handlebar. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film based this week out of part Chico and part Reno. I am Max Minardi. I'm Jai, Johnny Summers. Jai Summers. Jai Summers, that's right. We're coming at you from two different states, but one happy place right in your ears. And one state of mind, really, which is happy to be here, happy to be drinking some hopefully tasty beers and reviewing a movie, which is the format of this show if you've never heard it. And this week on our show, we ask for the sixth time what happens when humans dip their ambitious little fingers into the world of tampering with the genetic makeup of dinosaurs with our thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion. Johnny Summers, what are we drinking this week? We are drinking two beers <clears throat> from a brewery called The Drowned Lands in Warwick, North, uh, Warwick, New York. Hello. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. North, North York, perhaps? North York. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, first of all, we hope you're having a fantastic Thursday evening. I do hate to make it worse by telling you that unfortunately you won't be hearing our show today in its entirety. You're just going to get the first beer review and our spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Jurassic World Dominion. Yes, but Max, if they wanted to hear the full conversation in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Jurassic World Dominion and a review of our second beer from the Drowned Lands, plus Hot and Bothered and all kinds of other fun stuff, where would they go? Yeah, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, of course. Um, also, you can check out our website. We drop new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. And if you like the show, please do feel free to give us a five-star rating and or a review. Um, you can leave written reviews on Apple Podcasts, a handful of other places, but you can definitely leave five-star ratings, I think, pretty much anywhere. Um, and let us know that you did that. If you're on social media, we're on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema on Letterboxd for film reviews and untapped for beer reviews. Those are both at Fresh Hop Cinema. Um, or like I mentioned a second ago, you can just check out our website, www.freshhopcinema.com. And on to Patreon. If you want to become a part of our family and get behind the scenes and just get way more of us in your lives, you should consider joining. It is a episodical type Love donation it. i guess i would say uh, yeah you can do uh as little as one dollar per episode four bucks a month uh or more we prefer that but hey whatever makes you happy like basically it costs you a cup of coffee helps keep the show running the beers the movies the good times and a lot of the money that we make from patreon gets pumped right back at you in the form of events yeah uh, some merch runs some parties some movies maybe actually some beers you never know so totally there, there's a lot of rewards it's very worthwhile if i don't mind if you don't mind me saying i get to hear our bonus content every week and i think it's hilarious so i'm sure you will too yeah it's it's super super easy to sign up um you just go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema it takes literally like 
I think three or four minutes. You just sign up with your email and yeah, you can pick your your donation level and yeah, you get all that stuff Johnny just described. Um, so check it out if you would like. You also get once once a year, you'll get a birthday shout out from us. So James, uh, patron of the show, it's James's birthday. Actually today, the day of recording, June 14th. Happy birthday, James. Thanks for being on board with us. We super appreciate it. Um, and it's been a while since uh, we've seen James at an event. Granted, we've been sort of inconsistent with COVID, but hopefully as we get back into things, I'm looking forward to seeing James again sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, all of our housekeeping out of the way, Johnny Summers, let's get into beers. Um, I've never had beers from Drownlands. Have you had them before? I have not. This is the first time I've ever even seen them or heard of them, so I'm super stoked to get into this brewery. Okay, tell me. can you tell me some stuff about the brewery itself maybe? I I can. Uh, So from their website, they have a pretty cool biography, uh, and I will read snippets of it. Uh, The Drownlands is a farm brewery founded as an homage to the dirt on which it's built. It's a Mm. culmination of years of exploration and inspiration from the land. The beer we create takes its cues from the richest soil in the country, and it's connected uh, to both time and place. Inspired by old world techniques and modern innovation, anything worth doing takes time, so slow down and stay a while. We believe that in a world quickly approaching 10,000 craft breweries, the next generation of great breweries will be the ones that best connect the drinker from the agriculture. The season, the distinct area in which the beer is brewed, and to the liquid itself. We believe in the notion of terroir, the character and flavor imparted by the environment in which it's produced, is an underexplored concept in American craft beer, and one of the most interesting expressions left to be discovered. Uh, we created the Drownlands to intentionally seek out these concepts to make exceptional craft beer that expresses the native mineral profile of our water, the seasonality of our local agriculture, the imparting taste of the local microbes in our house-mixed culture to express the isness of our land and share it with you. Dude, I, so, I, I love that. I Right? I, I feel like one of the most important ingredients, obviously, in beer is the water that gets used, and very rarely do breweries choose to highlight their own local water. Um, I remember maybe like a year ago, we did a brewery from um, from Oregon. I think it was Great Basin Brewing, maybe? And when in, we went into some depth on how they have that undercity kind of water system, and it was oh, yeah. really cool. And, and they really highlighted the the characteristics of their water. Um, and I think you and I might have even been keyed into it enough to taste some of that. But I'm looking forward to kind of getting into that with uh, with our first beer today, which all I know is that it's called Rare Earth. So tell me more. Exactly. It is called Rare Earth. And again, it is from the Drowned Lands out of Warwick, New York. It is a fooder style pilsner that is 4.8 percent abv it is a fooder fermented pilsner brewed with new york pilsner malt from omara farms and new york grown crystal the local high protein malt produces a nice straw color and slight haze Uh, it's fermented and lagered in oak for several months and they are tasting bright clean and oaky with a hint of roasted marshmallow wildflower honey and fresh grass so i am super stoked just I usually wouldn't read a, an about me from a brewery that that's is that long, sure. uh, but man, I like can't agree more. I yeah. love what they're about, like that connection to the land and the local ingredients. Uh, it's just like if a brewery was a farm to table restaurant, and it was like you know in the heart of a little valley, and you just get to experience all the nuance of the ingredients that exist there. Uh, let's get transported to New York. Yeah, dude, I love it. Also, right before we dive in, you've said fooder a couple times, and, and for anybody not familiar, it's spelled F-O-E-D-E-R. It's basically like a big, usually oak kind of fermentation tank, um, and we won't spend a lot of time getting into why people choose to use those, but but just wanted to to define that word at least once before we just kept saying fooder pilsner over and over. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so mine is open. I'm about to pour it. Have you poured yours into your glass yet? I have. I have poured it. I have smelled it, and I have drank some okay, of it. Okay, well, give me your initial thoughts, dude. Uh, it's a beautiful color. It looks almost completely clear. There's a little bit of a, a tinge to it, but it's not hazy by any means. It's mm-hmm. just a, a, like they said, straw colored, nice head retention. Um, it looks like it's going to be delicious. And upon first taste, I find that it is. It's got a surprisingly tangy start, but then it just transcends into this just super refreshing, crispy area. And I am, I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, man, I've got it in my hotel glassware again this week, um, which is kind of, it almost looks like a rocks glass for whiskey or something. So it's, uh, you know, not ideal, but um, I'm seeing a lot of similar stuff. Very clear. No mistaking this as like a Pilsner or maybe a Kolsch. Um, mine's still fairly actively carbonated. There's a pretty soapy looking head, like really big bubbles and um, not a ton of lacing or anything like that. It looks fairly clean and it smells very, very, very bright. Um, I think I'm going to pop back over to their description here, but I think they said something like fresh cut grass or something, um, mm-hmm. which is spot on. It's a very bright, um, punchy smelling Pilsner so far. Um, and I'm going to take my first drink, but I'm, I'm excited just based on my initial impressions here. Yeah, no, I think you're going to like it. It's really balanced. It's not too much of any one thing. I'm getting some serious, not serious, some middle of the road funk, Mm-hmm. From that food, fooder, I'm imagining, and sure. maybe the the malt profile, but I'm I'm loving the amount of funk that's on this right at the front. It's not overbearingly funky. It doesn't venture into like the barnyard, but it's definitely got a different profile, in my opinion, in a positive way from uh, a normal, just regular, straightforward pilsner without maybe the fooder. I don't know if that's what that adds. Um, but I like it. If that's what I it mean, is, I think it probably is a huge part of it, man. It's, yeah, it's a very, I just, yeah, I had my first drink it's, and the carbonation based, it was very similar to what it looks like. It's really zippy, super, uh, very effervescent, very actively carbonation heavy. Um, yeah, there, I don't know that I would have said funkiness necessarily though. I, not when you said it, I was like, okay, that could work. But for me, it was more of an earthiness. Um, and it is more like, I keep coming back to the grass idea cause it feels, it feels very, uh, very terrestrial in that sense, but it's, it's mm-hmm. also not, not muted and rounded. Like you might think hearing that it's, it's, it's a very bright, it makes me think of springtime. Totally. Absolutely. Almost uh lemongrass ish. Yeah. Super, uh, unapparent with the alcohol. You said it's only 4.8%. So I'm not expecting anything super boozy, but, uh, it's a really clean beer so far. Yeah. I'm very impressed, especially, you know, first time ever having these guys. And I was promised at least that they just came in. Uh, they didn't have date codes right. on the cans, but they were freshly received over at SNS Produce. So I was pretty stoked to hear that. Uh, and I love, you know, 100% New York malt. Have you ever had a beer that's, that's the, the malt bill is exclusively New York malt? I mean, Never. not that I would remember, yeah. Uh, me neither. And their can design is tremendous. It's so simplistic, kind of woodcut design. Yep. You know, it's just white negative space on like a flat gray can. Mm-hmm. It just grabs the eye. It's really pleasantly designed. Uh, I like it a lot. There's, you know, a woodcut like hand holding a tree with water coming out of it. Oh yeah, that is nice. Yeah. I hadn't even like spun it that way yet. But yeah, I was looking at the front still. There's presumably, I'm guessing like some kind of a fooder on the front and there's something sprouting from the top of it in the middle of the can. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a very cool can. And if I'm not mistaken, the second can shares a lot of design similarities. Yeah, but you can tell just at a glance they're both from the same brewery. Which I love is, that kind of consistency. Cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, also makes for great photos. If you want proof of that, probably look on our Instagram, I would guess. 
Um, Fresh underscore hop underscore nice. cinema <laughs> on Instagram. Um, dude, this is super good. I'm I'm really into it. Um, there's not much I don't like. I'm going to have a couple more drinks before I make a final judgment because I have a sneaking suspicion that some of that earthiness might start to get a little old for me. But yeah. I'm not there yet. I'm really enjoying what I've had so far. I've had maybe two or three ounces. Yeah, I think this is a very pleasant drinking experience. It's not too carbonated. It doesn't have a heavy feel on the palate. It just drinks nice and easy. And it's got such a unique flavor profile for a Pilsner. It's, you know, sometimes that that genre can get kind of pigeonholed into a, a profile. And uh, I think that it's really nice to have something that kind of branches out from that. I've had a few other food or Pilsners that I really liked. Mm. I remember there was a couple from Modern Times that I've had. And I want to say Highland Park made one, but I can't recall for sure. I remember liking all of them just because they are in the Pilsner realm, but they just have so many different angles. There's there's yeah. so many new flavors that that add spice and variety to that that Pilsner profile that they just man, these are great beers and this is a killer beer for spring. I'm I'm a fan. This yeah. is a great first impression of the Drownlands. Jumping back to what you said briefly, you said it's not too carbonated. Do you mean there's not much carbonation or it's not overly carbonated for what you're enjoying? I would say it's not like overly carbonated. Yeah. Like if if there was more it could be like too much and like make you super burpy and gassy, but like no, it's got a really nice, pleasant level of carbonation. I agree, but I would say it's on the higher end. It doesn't either for me. It doesn't go into too much either. But but it's definitely a, a very actively carbonated beer. I think it, it drinks. Um, uh, what's like a carbonated beverage? Like not quite soda pop level, but it's it's very carbonated. Okay, for me at least. Well, did you did you do an appropriate pour? Yeah, man. It was a great pour. Yeah. I did the best I did the best I could with the tools that I had in front of me, which, which the best you know. I could. <laughs> I poured mine a little bit hard just to kind of get some of the carbonation off of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess. But, yeah, I didn't pour like a full glass too, so I guess I didn't really give it the proper head that it deserved. But again, tools in front of me did my best. That's fine, man. That's fine. We work with what we got. I'm, you know, to level the playing field. I'm drinking out of a mason jar, so that's yeah, par for your course most of the time. <laughs> yep. Um, at least especially with beers, with lighter beers, I think that you tend to grab a mason jar. Yeah, I like it. Um, okay, then on the opposite end of the spectrum of things that you like, is there anything you don't like about this beer? Um, It has, you know, a little, it has like a Pilsner aftertaste. That's the only way to describe it. There's a like a little bit of a mouth flavor that it leaves behind, but it's a beer. It tastes like beer. What do you, what do you um, mean? What kind of Pilsner aftertaste? Well, it's no, I've noticed that with Pilsners and like Kolsch's specifically, just because they are a bit like maltier and a little bit sure. more robust on that profile, they do leave more of an aftertaste than than a lager. Is it like some so, of that like 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 biscuity kind of cereal like bready graininess that you're talking a little about? That a little of that and a little bit of a, a like a tangy mm. aftertaste. Okay, but I mean, other than that, this is a clean clean drinking beer front to back. Yeah, man, I There's think so, too. There's not much I don't like. Yeah, I dig it quite a bit. Um, you know, as I am drinking it, the one thing that does keep coming up is the carbonation, and I might just backpedal a little bit. I think it is a little bit too carbonated for me. Like, I'm kind of stifling burps as we're doing this, um, which I guess isn't a terrible thing, but it's a pretty uh, bright, zappy beer um, between the flavor that, that I was talking about earlier, the... Um, you know, some some more of that fresh-cut grass spring stuff. It's very bright and also very bubbly. Um, mm -hmm. which after a couple of drinks that I've had now is becoming a little bit overpowering. So I would say in my mouth, the worst crimes of this thing is that it's a little bit too outspoken in those departments, but everything else I think is very, very well done. So this might be a beer that merits a slow pour. 
Yeah, or, or like dump it and get all that carbonation out. But um, well, are you familiar with the the slow pour methodology of like uh, like German pilsners and, and European pilsners like that? I guess not. So the idea is to usually it's a it can be like a stein. It can be you know any unit of glass. You pour it as hard as you can mm-hmm. for like to fill half the glass. So the whole top half of the glass is filled with foam, and then you let it rest, and then you add it like a quarter of the, the the remaining empty space you add like a quarter of that space at a time in beer until it's got a nice head and that's when you see the head being super like frothy almost looking like soft serve ice cream on mm-hmm. top that's a, a slow pour like a lot of places do it on draft traditionally it's like a side pull um draft handle it's a whole thing yeah um there i was just looking that up as you were talking about it um, yeah, there's this like old myth and I think you're probably describing something that is more uh, widely used and, and practical, but, but the old school of thought was that it, it was, it would take seven minutes to pour a good pilsner properly, you know, um, which is a bit extreme. Some people, I think in yeah. Germany these days, based on the articles that I'm looking at here, it's more, they do take their time. It takes, you know, a couple minutes, almost like you're waiting for a nitro beer or something. Um, mm-hmm. but it's gone from like seven minutes to like, you know, two or three. No, that's a thing. Though. Some yeah. places here in America still do like a seven-minute pint of Pilsner. Do they really? Yeah. I don't know if there's much research to back that up, and I'm saying that as an expert who's learned about this for all of 45 seconds. But uh, oh, it's uh, all, all the research you need to do is with your mouth, man. Okay. It, it makes a difference. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll have to get more of this beer then and try it that way too. But um, for now, let's let's drink or let's re- let's rate it the way that we've drank it today, shall we? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm into this beer. I think this is something I will be picking more cans of for summer okay uh it's solid man it's it's such a unique experience in the pilsner realm for me it falls at like a seven nine yeah for me it's a seven it's super good um i i'll probably grab it again too if it's if it's convenient i know there were still a bunch at sns when we were there um because like you said they were pretty new um i think it's solid man it's not blowing me away there's some there's some issues i have but i think overall super solid um and do you have anything else on on rare earth or do you want to keep on moving I think we should keep on moving. Okay, then once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get the chance to try Rare Earth or any other beer from Drown Lands, we want to know what you think, so don't hesitate to reach out. And while you're at it, take a picture of yourself drinking it and tag us on your social media at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com, like our friend Lauren did this week. Or if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Next, you're going to hear a trailer for Jurassic World Dominion, but don't worry, there's no spoilers in this upcoming segment. I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that we could see and touch. Creation is an act of sheer will. Life will find a way. We can't keep her here forever. They find her, we're never going to see her again. We got to protect her. That's our job. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster.
Gary Sadler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? We're racing toward the extinction of our species. We not only lack dominion over nature, we're subordinate to it. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, or movies, or Jurassic World Dominion. Sure. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It's going to be available to pour into your ear holes tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of us, there's plenty more for you. As a reminder, what you just heard was a trailer for Jurassic World Dominion. Generic internet synopsis incoming. Quote, four years after the destruction of Isla Nublar, dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. This fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures. Uh, I'm going to come back and elaborate on the synopsis in a little bit here because I don't think that quite sets the stage well enough. But uh, before that, this was directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did both of the previous Jurassic films, um, as well as Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and uh, a movie that I really enjoyed in 2012 called Safety Not Guaranteed. This was written by Trevorrow and Emily Carmichael. She, uh, She wrote one of the Pacific Rim movies, as well as a Jurassic Park short film called uh, The Battle at Big Rock. It's an eight-minute thing. It came out in 2019. Have you seen it, dude? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't even know about it. I was looking up how many of these movies had been made, and it was like seven. I was like, are you sure seven? And one was, yeah, it was like an eight-minute short film, I guess. And I didn't take the time to watch it today, but it exists. So um, It's animated, right? I don't know. Maybe. If anybody listening (laughs) loves these things, you should go check that out. I remember seeing a Jurassic World short on Netflix that was like CGI animated, looked like a kid's show. That might have been that. Yeah, all right. Um, well, back right. in this movie, you got Chris Pratt. He's doing his Owen Grady thing again. He's a he's a, a Navy vet and then an anthologist and a former Jurassic World employee. He's very famous for being able to train velociraptors. He's uh, the boyfriend of Claire, who is, of course, played here by Bryce Dallas Howard. And in one of the previous films, they adopted Maisie, uh, who was played by Isabella Sermon. You also have... Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, all coming back from the original trilogy as Ellie Sattler, Alan Grant, and Ian Malcolm, respectively. Um, a couple newcomers. You got DeWanda Wise as Kayla Watts, uh, perhaps the coolest person in this movie. Uh, she's a former Air Force pilot who helps, uh, or, you know, she's a former Air Force pilot that we meet kind of in the black dinosaur remark, the dinosaur black market. Is that the right way to say mm-hmm. that? The underground dinosaur trading world? Yeah. Um, and then we also have Ramsey Cole, uh, played by Mamadou Athi. He's the head of communications at a company called Biosyn, um, which is a bit of a deep cut from the original Jurassic Park. Um, you had Dr. Lewis Dodgson. He's the CEO of this this company. It's kind of a rival company to InGen, which was um, you know Hammond's company or whatever. Um, and he's played here by Campbell Scott. Uh, and he there was like a brief cameo of this character in, in the first Jurassic Park. And at the time, it was Cameron Thor. But then I think in like 2016 or 17, Thor uh, went to prison for, you know, sexually assaulting a kid or something, something terrible. Oh, jeez. Um, and I couldn't remember the scene, so I looked it up, but it's when- Dodson, Dodson. Yeah, we got, we got Dodson, Dodson here. here. It's that that guy that comes in with the briefcase. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably last notable shout out is Dr. Henry Wu, played by B.D. Wong, who is a good-hearted scientist that somehow manages to always <laughs> mess this up. I'm not sure how it keeps happening, but he does always want to try to make things better. Um, other stuff briefly, John Schwartzman did the cinematography. This came to theaters June 10th, and it runs two hours, 26 minutes long, um, maybe unsurprisingly. Now, I saw this in Reno with a couple of friends here, uh, Darius, Valeska, shoutouts, and patron of the show, Brittany. Um, I will say seeing it with those people was probably my favorite part of this movie, uh, which says something about the movie itself, but I don't want to tip my hand just yet. Johnny Summers, you were fully prepared to tell me, to have to have a full-on argument with me, like, we have to see this movie. And I wasn't stoked to see it. I'm not even sure if you were, but I know you wanted to. Um, yeah, just because I liked the the first two Jurassic Worlds with uh, with Chris Pratt so much. I don't think you did. I don't think you liked the second one. I'm not sure. But I remember yeah. us both giving it pretty poor marks. Okay. I but, remember liking the first one. Sure. Um, I liked the first, the first first one, uh, Jurassic Park. But yeah, okay. How, how were your expectations met when you, when you saw Jurassic World Dominion? Oh, uh, well, my expectations were very, very low to Why? begin with. Um, yeah, I just don't expect much from this franchise other than, I mean, I on the record telling people that this is just popcorn, giggles, maybe some gummy worms, and that's that's about it. That's what you should expect for this okay. movie. It's a popcorn and snacks movie. That's it. Okay. So those were the expectations. So it was great. No, okay. it was awful. <laughs> yeah. It was maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was one of only a couple times in my life where I've been sitting in a movie theater actually wondering how on earth this got approved and put through final production and onto the big screen. What kind of it stuff? was catastrophically bad in its screenplay, its script, its acting. It felt like copy and pasted together like every character in every moment where they're speaking just says exactly what you think a cliche character mm-hmm. in that scene mm-hmm. of that character would say um but a lot of times it was like worse you know there's a big monologue at one point and then i think ramsey just says i'm not you and oh, then yeah. leaves sure. like sure. there's just so every at every single opportunity this movie took the chance to be anticlimactic and ran with it. This played out for me like a poorly constructed live action episode of Scooby-Doo. It was insulting to the audience. It was insulting to my eyes. uh, And it was just an absolute train wreck of a movie. Okay. First of all, you're being insulting to the live action Scooby-Doo movies, which were, (laughs) I guess, pretty bad, but I think this was probably worse. Um, Okay, so I want to circle back around really quickly to what I was saying about the synopsis. That was all true, but the thing that this movie adds that kept it, for me, from being just like a a mindless blockbuster popcorn movie is that they tried to start to integrate real-world consequences into... Because at this point, like I said, the dinosaurs have sort of left the island, the sanctuary, and now they're living among us sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you have have this this CEO character, Dodgson, who... um, his whole thing is like, I'm going to genetically engineer dinosaurs, but not to make them attractions at a park, but to, to uh, you know, his, his things like to, to cure diseases and, and understand the human genome better. And no one's like, good idea, except like the thousands of people that work for him. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. nobody in the audience is like, nice, dude, this is going to go great. Nor are mm-hmm. they like, yes, we trust you. So it's clear he's not a trustworthy dude, not a great company. 
And what starts to happen, there's some fallout from some locusts, some, some, some genetically engineered locusts that start just like destroying crops in the Midwest. And it turns into like this, this worldwide famine on the, on the horizon that we need to then get ahead of. And it just got so much bigger. They tried to take it so much bigger with the scope of this thing. And none of it's dealt with in a mature or, or thought through way, which is kind of what you're getting at. Like it's just all um, templated out and you kind of understand where everything's going. And these additions of all this larger world stuff just feels just slapped on with the cheapest glue. It's like, we're trying something new. Then on top of that, you get the addition of all of the people from the original trilogy, which also makes it feel like a money grab and also disingenuous. And just, it feels so hollow. That said, there's some cool dinosaur stuff. Like the special effects are pretty great. Um, It was still more of feeling like they threw everything but the kitchen sink at us in terms of dinosaurs. Like I can only remember like two or three types of new dinosaurs per movie. There's one in this called like the Decanotosaur or something like that. And yeah. I kind of remember that, but there had to be like seven or eight other things that we met. And I just don't remember, like they're all blurring together in my mind. So I just feel like none of it really worked. And, and they, it also felt like they weren't trying for most of it, but even the stuff they did try still didn't totally work for me. So I was pretty yeah. let down as well. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. Like, ev- like all the choices they made with the script didn't make sense. And I'd push back that it felt like, uh, this was all slapped together from scenes that were shot in front of a green screen and they were just going to kind of figure it out later. Mm. Um, it The CGI didn't work for me at all. Like yeah. the dinosaurs did look cool, but yeah. anytime there was a person on screen with a dinosaur, oh, it looked like, like Photoshop. Like you just used Microsoft Paint and just stuck a person into a scene. It was yeah. not good. And I don't know, especially coming off of a movie like Top Gun, which was just like the best action movie ever. Uh, This was just such a letdown. I mean, there's no comparing the two. This was, yeah, the the characters were so flat. It was all just, it was just a bummer, man. There's no way around it. Yeah, I don't want to, this feels like a movie that could easily be picked apart with plot holes or, or, or inconvenient things that happen for the sake of convenience. But like there's one scene where a character is trying to get away from, I guess a blind dinosaur, I guess it's blind. It's not really made clear. But it's got, like, I guess, a good sense of hearing and a good sense of smell, maybe. And this character um, drops to the ground from a high-ish point. Then the dinosaur like, whips its head around. And then the character army crawls, which even in the sound design is so loud. And I'm like, if this dinosaur is only hearing things, has no vision, presumably with heightened hearing, like, you're dead. And then yeah. the way that the character gets out of that scene, I'm like, that's where the dinosaur is going to draw its line. Like, it's not going to, how does it even know to stop pursuing <laughs> if it's blind? I didn't get a lot of it. There's a lot of that in this movie. Um, it's because the director called scene. Right. And he's like, okay, good. I'm going to take a break. He's like, God, I need a cigarette. Yeah. Um, okay, man. Well, n- neither of us really liked this at all. Maybe we can get into more of our thoughts um, in a bit here. But for now, why don't we give it a rating? 1.5. Ooh, lowest in a while. 1.5 for Johnny Summers. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, it's a two. You know, it's I, some of it was cool. I liked seeing dinosaurs. That's always fun. There were, I thought there were some cool visual effects. But yeah, for the most part, um, a pretty uh, stinking pile of dinosaur poop, if you ask me. It's also mm-hmm. like the fifth highest grossing movie of the year, which is uh, a bummer in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. But, I'll, I'll get into some more stuff in the danger zone, too. Okay. Well, then once again, for now, if you haven't been paying attention, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you are so inclined, Jurassic World Dominion is currently in theaters. And if you see it and you have thoughts of your own, 
You can reach us on social media, like I said, at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can shoot us an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Jurassic World, a review of that second beer and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your preferred podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. Um, It's part of the show where we spoil a movie. And in this case, it's Jurassic World Dominion. Um, I find that just open criticism to no end is not super fruitful discussion, which is where I'm afraid I will start going with the discussion of this movie. Um, So before we get to that point, and then we can decide if that's how we want to proceed. Do you have anything, uh, I guess, constructive that you want to talk about in terms of criticizing this movie or or even things that you appreciated, but I kind of assumed that wouldn't be the case. So anything constructive to talk about maybe? Um constructive like tell you how it was constructively bad i don't or... yeah i mean yeah i mean there's you know i i, well, I, I worried about an echo chamber just being like yeah that was terrible oh yeah this was terrible too and that was terrible I, there's probably well, some conversation to be had somehow i suppose but sometimes that is a conversation like when a movie is universally bad it's just going to be universally bad I'm, I, I wish there was more mm. uh the uh the one thing that stuck out to me repeatedly was just like the unintelligence of the dialogue there's one line that will haunt my dreams it's burned in my brain yeah which one when uh when sam neill's character is walking through the velociraptor area Mm -hmm. and he's like we thought they would gut their prey but turns out they're smart enough to go right for the throat they'll go for the veins and the arteries and the arteries Mm -hmm. and sometimes both at the same time yeah it was tough tough excuse me (laughs) sir Um, are they not like Uh, operating with scalpels they like bite you yeah, like they're just gonna—they're gonna bite your head. Your head's off, coming off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they'll take every, all of it. Yeah, and and it was impossible to overlook the almost shot-for-shot cannibalism from the original Jurassic Park. There were so many things oh, that made yeah. that movie iconic that they kind of just tried to inject in this movie, and it felt not like an homage, but like a lack of creativity. I think it could be done in a way that an homage would be awesome, like. You know, but it was just like a dead ringer for scenes. Yeah. You know, being upside down in a car, having it spun around by a T Rex. It's just like it felt so done. And that's a shame because we're six movies into this franchise and I want to see new. Like the cool scenes that stuck out were like the scene on the ice when the plane crashed. Totally. That was a great scene. One of my favorite scenes. Um, I was really bummed out with a lot of her dialogue and who's her? The uh, I'm getting there. Um, Kayla Watts. Oh, the pilot? Yeah. She mm. was like my favorite character in the movie. Like I would watch a, sh- a movie about her. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, I was bummed out with the choices they made about with with her dialogue and just her, her whole plot line. It was just so shallow. And I get it. It's an action movie. It doesn't have to have super yeah. involved. But- it was it was um, shallow even by action movie standards. Dude, yeah, because you have to buy her her whole thing. Like her thing is she sees she sees Maisie being basically handed off. She's she's okay with with like smuggling dinosaurs on the black market. She's fine with that. Yeah. Then she sees Maisie being taken by people. She does nothing, and then is apparently overridden with guilt when she coincidentally runs into Laura Dern's character, or I mean, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard's character. She like feels so compelled to get involved. And like throws her life away basically 
And it's just, it's not consistent with how you think that character has probably survived this long in the world, in that particular world, you know? Like she even starts off with like saying to Bryce Dallas Howard, she's like, you don't, you don't belong down here. Go back to your resort or whatever, mm-hmm. which I believe for a minute. And then within moments, the, the entire um, intensity and, and hardness of that character is diffused by, and she gives the explanation, of course, later, like I saw her being taken and I just couldn't uh, do nothing. And then she drops in something that feels very like, you know, like modern crowd service being like to be, be, oh, what is it? Like, um, being silent is the same as whatever, um, condoning or something like that. Yeah. Which felt ripped from like an influencer's Twitter account or something. Yep. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. The bummer thing is this movie could have been really cool. It had all the bones, uh, both dead and living to be cool. And yeah. it just didn't do it. Uh, what did you think or how did you feel about the subplot with the genetically engineered locusts that were going to eat all the crops that weren't planted with biosins? You know, seed? you know, um, I, 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 well, I guess I have a lot of thoughts. I think that's a cool concept. Like if you're, if you're genetically modifying creatures, it makes sense that some maniac would try to weaponize that. So I think that in and of itself could have been a, a fulfilling, interesting concept to, to see through, but it's bogged down by so much of this other stuff. And then like, you kind of get the impression that the only reason that Dodgson is able to do this is because he has Dr. Henry Wu on his side doing all the work. And Wu has a track record now of, of kind of messing things up, but he's got a good heart, like I said in the beginning. And I just don't see him, it's character consistency. It's the writing of these characters that is my problem with this movie, I think, in large part. I don't see that character being like, okay, yes, I'm willing to cause a global famine so that I can keep playing with dinosaurs, which is kind of the blackmail and the leverage Dodgson holds over. He's like, if we get reported, then all of your work goes down the drain. He's like, all right, I guess we're making more locusts. And he changes his mind at the end, but it's clearly too late. Also, dude, on the point of the locusts, there's like a fail safe in their chamber where they burn the whole thing. But mm-hmm. the first time that ever happens, like the, the, the container fails and they fly out like the bad design, you know, that's yeah. the, that's how you do it. That's how you've designed that room. And it is like breach and containment conveniently. Yeah. And now why are they alive flying through the air? They were, yeah. they were singed. Yeah. They could stay on fire for quite a while. And then why did they come back to life in the hallway when they were like stepping around them and they were all dead at that point? And then they flip the power, you know, at the end. And then like all of a sudden they come back to life. Are they run on electricity? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> right? Like I just, yeah. it was fun because then the two women could have like a, a locust fight. But why did they, weren't they dead? Yep. I don't Guess know. You just, just Maybe they don't expect it. us to ask these questions, but like, you know, I know there's like an electrical chip in their brain or something, which is also a very convenient way to like, we need to get the dinosaurs in a containment for the story. How do we do it? I don't know. Let's write something in the beginning where we've put electrical impulses to steer them. I don't know about that. Right. I don't know. It seems, it seems, it all seems too convenient. And, and, and yeah. yeah, like, I don't know. Let's do, write this in the quickest, easiest way possible. Yeah. And it's crazy because if that was the case, you'd think there maybe would have been only one real direction of the plot. I would have loved to see in a movie, about genetic engineering and people and yes. how they're trying to use that, you know, just like with Maisie and the way she was fixed by her mother who yeah. cured that disease in her right. with, that whole with genetic too. engineering. I would have loved that, but there was that subplot. There was the locust subplot mm-hmm. and it was, they just felt so conflicting. I think if they focused on one or the other, it could, would have been a stronger movie. Like, uh, either one of those is fascinating, but because it was bifurcated, they didn't have enough time to focus on either yep. one enough 
to make me give a shit. Yeah, it's the side character. It's not even the side character. It's like the auxiliary characters and a superhero team problem that they had in like, mm-hmm. you, like every, like in, in Suicide Squad, like any movie where you have to introduce to like the audience to like eight or nine characters, you're not gonna probably have time to do it. And so we end up with these hollow shells of archetypes that don't work and none of the emotional beats attached to them land. Uh, so it's terrible. Yeah, it's what a, what a, yeah, what a bummer. How about that when Laura Dern cut the power with the axe and it didn't electrocute her and then she just looked at the camera and was like, that yeah. felt good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a, there's a great moment that happens um, when one character, this is when they've just sort of escaped um, or they're in the process of escaping the big dinosaur. The, the group is finally united for the first time and they're trying to get into this control room or whatever and they're being chased by one of the big dinosaurs. And I think it's Maisie that looks at uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character, and looks kind of like looks in his eyes and then looks at his chest, and his shirt's kind of like really unbuttoned, like that one <laughs> scene. And he like doesn't yeah. it take it's like you miss and you'll blink it, but he goes, oh, and he like buttons it back up. But I thought that was yeah. lovely. That's she just shakes of, her head at him. Yeah, that's the kind of homage to the first film that I think would really land and doesn't take away from what could have been laid in, in this movie. Exactly. That was nice. Um, yeah, but there big, there wasn't enough of that subtlety. No. No. Yeah. There's the big dinosaur battle at the end, which did basically nothing for me also. Yep. Um, and I guess dinosaurs are teaming up now. I don't really, I guess, understand how apex alpha predators work, but in, in my limited knowledge of this, they don't, it's like me or nobody, but then there's like this two on one battle. Uh, yeah. And I don't really get like, it was almost like the dinosaurs high five to the end. Like, yeah, we killed the Decafalsosophosaurus. Yeah. Hey, remember when there were atrociraptors that were like cats that would kill anything you shined a laser on? That was fun. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that wasn't made clear either. Um, yeah, nothing in this movie. Oh, was yeah, made I forgot clear. about that whole character too. I didn't even write her in the cast list, but um, do you remember her name, her character name by chance? Nope. Uh, that she's like a mercenary. That was in the movie for th- you know, three she, minutes. Yeah, she's a mercenary that was originally hired to kidnap Maisie. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there were like velociraptors that she had, I guess, trained just with like normal training methods. So like if she's, if they see a laser on someone, they're like, she literally says like, they'll like pursue you to the ends of the world. There's no escape. And turns out pretty easy to escape. You just gotta, pretty you just gotta leave. Yep. Oh dude. And this is my last one. Cause this is what's, this is what's going to start happening in this movie. We don't have time for this, but Bryce Dallas Howard's character is running away from one of those. She's running through mm-hmm. a bunch of apartment buildings. It's right on her tails. It can't quite catch her, but almost does. Yeah. So then she's being chased, and then and the same type of raptor is chasing Owen on the motorcycle, which is going ostensibly much faster than she was running, but having an equally hard time catching him on the motorcycle. And then the raptors are running as fast as an airplane taking off from a, a runway. And I don't, like, I hate that sort of convenience. Like, she would have been dead immediately running from those things on foot. Yeah, they're like just, cheetah it's fast. So in, it's so convenient. It's just like, okay. Which and it def- it deflates any chance of me feeling any tension for that. It's like she's gonna get away. Clearly, she got away. Everyone's gonna get away. There's no stakes yeah. here. No, exactly. There's no stakes and there's no rules. Like the 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 rules established for these dinosaurs are malleable and yeah. changing as you know the speed of their prey changes. It's just yeah yeah. No, it it, it pretty quickly takes you out of it. That's for sure. Yeah. And I know I just said this, but for real this time, very lastly, one shout out, uh, two shout outs, one good, one bad. Um, I thought that um, Ramsey Cole, the character Ramsey Cole, Mamadou Athi was pretty good as that character, mm-hmm. as the, as the future, like groom, groomed to be the future CEO character who has a conscience. He does a good job. 
Um, and I know you never ended up seeing Don't Look Up, which I think is for the best, but Mark Rylance plays a character in that who is basically like this sort of out of touch CEO that is kind of like a parody of like an Elon Musk or um, Mark Zuckerberg kind of fella. Okay. More eccentric, more Elon Musky. Um, and, and and that's basically what Dodgson is playing here, but but even less effectively somehow. Hmm. It's just okay. a lame, lame writing of that character and performance yeah. I thought was pretty not great. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Well, that's a bummer of a movie, uh, but let's put it to bed and never talk about it again, and let's drink more beer, please. Yes, I agree. Let's thank our silent stars that we never have to talk about Jurassic World, possibly as a series again. I'm very excited. Um, do you have your second beer in front of you, Johnny Summers, or should we I, grab it? I got to go grab it. Okay, I'll put in a fun sound. Let's grab our beers. All right, Johnny Summers, uh, I alluded to it a moment ago. Silent Stars, Drownlands. Uh, it's an IPA. It's a an unfiltered IPA. It's 6.8%. And you should just tell me more. Tell me what you learned about this beer, please. Yeah, it's an IPA brewed with Pilsner malt, malted spelt, raw wheat and oats hopped in the whirlpool mm-hmm. and dry hopped exclusively with citra oh snap yeah all citra all the time we love how our all citra triple ipa came out so we decided to dial back the abv and showcase just what citra can really do when it's allowed to shine this beer has an absolutely gorgeous pale yellow haze and is as bright and juicy as they come they are tasting orange zest, drippy summer peach, juicy melon, and a handful of orange and pink starburst. I think this is a bold approach. Citra is one of the most utilized hops in all of modern craft beer, I think. I was going to say, I didn't know I needed to, to I learn this. I didn't either. They're, it's like they're taking what could possibly be the least interesting hop in that like everyone's experienced it and it's nothing new and then being like, all right, we're going to showcase this big time. Um so like saying, since I haven't guys, tasted it, yeah, like bold move so far. I let's we're see opening a sa- we're opening a sandwich place, You're and we're going to feature br- we're going to feature bread. <laughs> yeah, bread and turkey, dude. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think there's something to be said for um, in in the, in the same way we appreciate a pilsner, like a really clean pilsner that has no adjuncts, nothing fancy, nothing against the food or pilsner, but like a straight up German pilsner. It's got nothing to hide behind, and mm-hmm. in this beer. The Citra has nothing to hide behind. So I guess what I'm looking for is a, a decent showing of the Citra hop and, and nothing more. Man, that's really good. Oh, good. Okay. Let's can we let's let's jump back a little bit. Um, what are you looking at in your glass? Yeah, super looks like a super hazy boy. Very, very hazy. yeah, very bright yellow haze. Like cannot see a millimeter into the yeah, glass. I don't, I don't see light. And I'm look I'm holding up to a window and it's bright out, and I'm I'm getting nothing through it. Yeah, so basically the spear is hazy enough to block out the sun, so yep. that's pretty rad. Uh, yeah, it's gorgeous to look at, but you know, nice thick head, very small bubbles, very yep. creamy yep. carbonation level, uh, and super thick uh, in like a good way though. I would say it's a very you know dry hopped thickness. I, I would say if you've had a lot of dry hop beers, it's about what you'd expect, and if you've never had a dry hop beer, it's just going to be an IPA. That's a pretty hoppy IPA. Yeah, way hoppy, more thickness, more juiciness, just a lot more everything that has to do with hops. I'm Um, I'm with you on all that. If I'm if I may cut in, Um, yeah, the head on mine is is sticking around, and it's it's the opposite of the first beard. Like I've got probably still a half an inch of yeah, very creamy, uh, small bubbled, uh, looks like mm -hmm. almost a nitro head. I did smell it too, and 
it smells really, really sweet. Like that dry hopping might've added too much sweetness in this aroma and too much of that hoppiness. Um, well, you think that, but then you taste it. Okay. So yeah, so I haven't yet. So you, you have, and you, the only thing you've said so far is that's really good. Yeah. Why? I mean, if you've ever held hops in your hands, this beer tastes exactly like what that smells like. You know, I actually have by the way. I've been fortunate enough to have like a handful of Citra hops in my hand and like squished them around, got all the lupulins off and then smelled it. And it's just that unadulterated, piney, mm-hmm. organic, plant-based goodness, man. And that's this beer nails that. Like it is a truly shining portrait of a Citra hop. And it might not be breaking the mold and it might not be giving us flavors that we've never had. But I think what it is doing is distilling that down to its purest form and preventing um, just a massive dose of citra fragrance and bitterness in round, smooth, piney sappiness. Uh, this is a very pleasant drinking experience. It, I mean, it really strips everything else away. You've got nice texture, nice flavor, great bitterness, and just a ton of of citra hop. I'm I'm into it. I like this beer, dude. I do too. I I think it's a, like it's. I don't know. Citra hops is one of those that are, I think are traditionally used to be. A, a pretty straightforward bittering hop. Like I know they're pretty high in alpha acids if I'm not mistaken. And the idea of using one in a hazy IPA, granted they called it an unfiltered IPA and I'm always a little bit hesitant to um, ascribe intention to a brewery when it comes to the way they name their beers. But when I hear unfiltered IPA, I think something that's going to strive to be a little bit sweeter rather than bitter forward. And I just think it's an, it's a weird hop choice for that because I'm still getting a lot of the the sharp citrusy edges but there is like a really intense sweetness there too um and i i don't know if i like it dude so i think what you were trying to say i think the opposite is true um of of the hop no of the um the unfiltered versus like hazy whatever okay so i mean because like when when you see a can that says unfiltered that means it's like a traditional ipa recipe that they just haven't filtered out the sediment it's not okay a new england style that's geared more towards sweetness so when i see unfiltered i assume that it's going to be something that's more in line with the traditional ipa that maybe has more body but with the same bitterness because yeah traditional ipa recipe without the filtration process versus a completely different recipe for like a new england style right designed to be sweetness forward i guess that's i mean that's totally probably true but then you add you have the addition of the dry hopping which is i think again they're like emphasize some of the aroma and the sweetness, like, and, and to, to shave off some of the bitterness. I just think, I don't know. It just seems like a strange choice to me. And I just had a second drink and I like it more than the first drink, by the way. Yeah. I'm a fan of this beer. It's, it's an unfiltered beer. That's got from the dry hopping a little bit of that juiciness, but it's still an IPA. Yeah. I guess that's hop in its hop profile. Like it's still got teeth. It's not a, you know, an orange juice by any that's means. True. It's, You're right. It's still very much an IPA, and I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if I could drink a whole can because that that juiciness mm-hmm. that is intermingling with that bitterness, um, I might just get, simply just get tired of it. Uh, it is a good beer. I think I would like maybe eight ounces of this, and I would be perfect. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think 16 is too much for me as well, personally. Um, not that it's poorly made or anything. I just the, the interplay between the bitterness that I'm getting from, yeah, from some of the the more yeah the, the 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 citrusy sharp bitterness and the way that's playing with the sweetness and the juiciness is is kind of tiring in, in a way 
mm-hmm. uh, fatiguing maybe, but it's 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 pretty okay for me. I, I I think it's I think it's good. Yeah, I agree. I would say it's uh, good, slightly above average. Uh, I, it's not blowing my mind. It's not. Yeah, it's it's good. It's solid. Uh, uh, I think that'll yeah. become clear when we rate it. Yeah, which I think we're about to do. For me, it's a six five. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just, just little. I'm, 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 I'm nudges away from you this episode. Um, I'm. It's a six for me. That's fair. I'd happily drink it again. It's real good. Did you check this one for a candy dip? No, not on this one either, huh? Okay. No. Super fresh. It tastes very fresh. There's no indicators. This is anything more than like maybe six weeks old, and I doubt it's even that old. Yeah, and it is a tasty beer. I just think maybe not for me specifically. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction because often, well, you know, maybe 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 there is no such thing as objective good or bad because a ton of people are going to enjoy Jurassic World Dominion, and I think objectively it's bad. But bro, it got a an ovation. What is you? What do you mean theater. ovation? Everyone clapped. <laughs> yeah, you there specifically left out standing, which I appreciated. Nope. They got a sitting well, ovation. <laughs> Yeah, it was so it was rude. a seated ovation in in your theater. You're saying, yep. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what? So, like, maybe maybe it doesn't even matter if this beer is good for us. Maybe all we have to say is I don't like it, and that should be enough to be like that. Doesn't say anything about the rest of people, but but at the same time, I think you got to hold things to a standard. I think Jurassic World Dominion is bad, and I think I could this could be get into a slippery slope here. I think I think I think watching Jurassic World Dominion and thinking it's good makes you worse as a person, as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. No, I think we should hold ourselves and 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 art, art forms at the very least, being film and and in the creation of beer. Like, let's hold, let's keep high standards, so that if if we miss those standards, we fall short. But let's not lower the bar to the point where anything goes and everything's fine. Um, exactly. I mean, I'll be the biggest proponent of a good bad movie like a good cheesy somewhat funny movie but like there's such a thing as a bad bad movie and anyone that clapped for jurassic world you're a bad person sure um yeah i feel like now i've i've confused myself i didn't mean to start talking about that heated terribleness while talking about this beer because i don't feel that way about this beer um i was just gonna say i agree for me not not maybe my favorite thing but i'm not saying at all that it's objectively bad nor am I making a case, I guess, that there is such a thing as objective badness, though I think there probably should be. Wow. I guess You're that's what I'm the trying weeds to say. Yep. 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 Objectively, non-objectively, this is one man and one Max's opinion. Yeah. Um, and again, so then uh, Silent Stars, six and a half for you, six for me. Are you ready to move into Hot and Bothered? I am. Has anything got you hot and or bothered this week? Hot and why, yes, it has. Thanks, Johnny. I, uh, yeah, let me let me kick this baby off. Um, uh, let's see. I know I had something. I don't know why it's not in my notes. I didn't write it down. Um, that's why it's not. Well, in my I've notes. got something. Yeah, why don't you start? Yeah, uh, bothered wise, it not incredibly a lot to report. Uh, hot wise, I have just started uh, Stranger Things season four. Oh, nice. I am three episodes in, maybe four. I can't remember. I'm really enjoying it thus far. Not going to tell you any more than that. I will do a full recap when I am finished with it. So if you want to be up to speed on what I'll be reviewing probably next week, uh, you should definitely, um, 
start watching Stranger Things. Also, I am keeping up with Obi-Wan, and it has done nothing but get worse. So look forward to talking about that when that <laughs> finally wraps, because season four was a joke. Like, I had to watch season four of Obi, or episode four of Obi-Wan, oh, yeah. and then watch Jurassic World. Like, yeah. I'm kind of in a bad mood now just I'm really glad it. you don't like Obi-Wan, because I don't either, and I feel like we're in the minority. I'm in the... I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. We're in the minority. And... A lot of people are into it, and I, I don't know who I was just talking to about this. Chris um, Gomez. No, yeah, but after that, I talked to somebody else even more in depth. And I feel like, at least with Obi Wan, because I'm gonna, be, I'm watching it also. Like you and I should do a full breakdown of that on Patreon for bonus content. I agree. And like really just get into it because we're not gonna have enough time to do it justice on Hot and Bothered. Um, no, but that would be super fun. How many episodes are there gonna be in in that? Six. Six. Oh, we're almost there. Yep. Cool. It's got two episodes to get better. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to see it through because now we have plans to talk about it, but I would oh, actually yeah. well, probably not finish it. That's where I'm at. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm obligated. I have to. And, uh, but I am very excited for the new season of Stranger Things. It's been really good so far. Good. So okay. maybe you should start that if you need some definitely more horror science fiction than the last season was. Yeah. I, so I didn't actually watch season three either. Oh, I think okay. I fell off during season two for some reason, but I remember liking it enough. Um, but I actually was considering getting back in. I was going to start season four, and that's when I remembered I didn't see season three. So, uh, I've got oh, some you should definitely watch. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say rec- I'd recommend it. Um, okay, I've got a brief one, um, which is that I've, I I realized maybe last week that I used to be able to do I think twenty pull ups consecutively. Oh, this yeah. was probably in high school or something, and. I can't do that anymore. Can't even get close. And I started, I decided I'm going to do 21. I'm going to get myself to a point where I can do 21. And I'm currently able to do five. I did six one time, but the sixth, the last one was kind of cheap. And I started posting that on my Instagram story for a couple reasons. One, validation. I need that kind of stuff. I thrive on it. Two, for a long time, I was under the impression that a full-time musician's life looks like you know, staying up till three or four, waking up at noon or one and like lounging around and like maybe having a couple beers with lunch and then going to play the show, having some more drinks, like hanging out with friends, sleeping again at 4 a.m., doing it again. And I was under that impression because like that's what a lot of musicians post online. And I hate the idea. that kind of your life? It's not. And that's the thing. That's what I post. Um, Because like that's what you're supposed to post because like it looks cool and it's fun. And like social media is the way we communicate to the masses. And you want to put off this vibe of like whatever whatever your stupid brand is. And it doesn't matter in the scope of humanity. This is so stupid even have to talk about. But I realized that I had learned that about life from seeing other musicians post stuff. And I thought, well, that's not realistic. And it's gotten me into some tough situations over the years that I've had to like train myself out of. So why not kind of show a different side? So now I'm like posting when I go on runs or like can do pull-ups or like here's a healthy meal that I cooked myself. Oh, I'm going to bed at 10.30 tonight. Like, and I don't know if anybody even cares. I, I very much doubt that I'm influencing other musicians, but the idea that I'm putting out just something to be like, hey, I don't just drink and play shows all the time and podcast all the time, though I do like podcasting also. And I don't think that's inherently unhealthy or anything. I just, I like the idea of, of being like, look, here's another thing that a musician does. Yeah. Well, and social media has kind of got everyone trained to like romanticize their own lives. Totally. Like, you see like the best, coolest version. Yeah. Like you get glimpses, you get momentary blips into someone's day when they might be were sad or yeah. exercised or didn't get off the couch. You know, it's 
Yeah. To not just post the highlights of like what, you know, a rock and roll lifestyle you think you should be maintaining versus just getting a little real with it. I, I respect that. And for the record, I care. I watch those stories. Thanks, man. I'm happy you're taking care of yourself. I've also had a, a fun time picking out different motivational, like like unconventional motivational songs for those clips. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell yeah. I picked a song from SpongeBob for one. It was when they played the bubble bowl. Yeah. And uh, what the heck is it called? Sweet, sweet victory. Yeah. When I hit the fifth one, I, I needle dropped the timing just right. It was great. That's awesome. Because uh, you that. can only use Eye of the Tiger so many times. Yep. Um, anyways, dude, that's what's got me hot this week. Um, do you have anything else? I don't. And it's about our time, man. You got to get out of here and speaking of that rock go and roll rock stuff, sure, yeah. you got to go maintain it. Uh, all right. Well, if you want to stay ahead of the curve next week on the show, we are covering the uh, sort of anticipated. Do you think have you been looking forward to the film I'm about to say or not really? Medium. Yeah. Medium. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fun. It's, it's the new film light year. It's, it's uh, sort of a, a story about buzz Lightyear, uh, of course from toy story. So I don't really know what to expect, but it's the biggest release of of this coming weekend, or or if you're hearing this the day we drop it on podcast platforms this weekend. Um, and I'm expecting a decently fun kind of kid movie. So I'm stoked for it. And then Johnny, you've picked out beers for next week. What are we drinking then? So we are drinking beers from Streetside out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Cool. Uh, and the first one is going to be called Ghost Goes Faced Killer. Goza. Oh. Goes face. Oh, I guess it would killer. be better with Goes face killer, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, Wu Tang inspired beer and a beer called Pewit. It is a pineapple upside down Berliner Weiss. So very excited for that. Man, uh, love got that. those beers at Spikes. So if you want to get really ahead, go pick up those two beers from Spikes. Go see Lightyear and then tune in Thursday next Thursday on KZFR or next Friday on your podcast app. Yeah, uh, as always, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and everybody else on Patreon. Quick shout out to The Handlebar for their constant support and dope-ass happy hour seven days a week. Uh, That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Remember, drink tasty beers, don't see Jurassic World Dominion, (laughs) and most importantly, be good to each other. We love you, and we'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.